0: person of interest podcast episode number 15 siri i'm depressed
1: you are being watched an artificial intelligence a machine protected by government agencies and deadly assassins is spying on you every hour of every day we designed this podcast as a means to share information that will aid in discovering and exploiting anything related to bringing down those who will use the machine to harm and exploit others. If you're listening to this podcast, your number has come up and you're part of our team. Hello, greetings.
0: Welcome to the Person of Interest podcast, a fan podcast dedicated to Person of Interest on CBS. I'm Daryl, and I'm hoping that I can hang with Doug for the entirety of this podcast without tapping out via a submission move that he puts on me.
1: <laughs> Look out. Oh, and I'm Doug. I don't have any of those kind of moves, but I'm just thankful that I have an Android phone. Yeah, not, a, not an Apple. Well, anyway, we're glad to have you with us. We are covering Person of Interest for Season 4, Episode 15, which originally aired on our Dear Leader's Birthday, February 17th, 2015, entitled Q&A.
0: Here's a funny one. It did air on my birthday, so I, di- I didn't watch it live. We were we, My dad came over and spent some time, and then we went out for dinner. My dad brought over this birthday card, right? And he's, he he handed it to me, and he says, how, how old are you? And I said, <laughs> uh, 39. He's like... Okay. All right, good. And I opened it up and and he you know, he he'd already handed it to me when he asked me that question, but he had written in there happy 40th and then I guess at some point he realized I wasn't quite 40 <laughs> yet and he had scratched it out. He, he had scratched it out. So he was relieved that he caught himself before he handed me the card, but not before he had written it in the card. Well, so or at
1: least it wasn't uh, one of those, you know, special 40th birthday birthday cards, you know, it's all yeah. plastered all over it.
0: That's true. There's no going back from that. Yeah. But it was a good birthday, and uh, to all of you who wished me a happy birthday, thank you. And to all those you who didn't, you're dead to me. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It was a good birthday, though. Yeah. <laughs> and a good episode of Person of Interest, I I didn't get a chance to watch it until today, and I liked it. I will get to our episode ratings here in just a, a little bit, but uh, I liked it quite a bit.
1: Well, welcome here. We are produced, of course, of course, by Golden Spiral Media. And we are found at goldenspiralmedia.com slash poi. So you can get all our back issues there and listen to, you know, as you're as some people are catching up and catching up with uh, some of this, uh, this season's episodes and you can hear what we thought about mm-hmm. them at the time. You know, maybe there's something that we thought about that you might not have or more than likely there's something you thought of that we didn't. But anyway.
0: It happens both ways, doesn't it? It, is. it does.
1: Well, this is a listener-supported podcast,
0: and one of the ways you can support us is by heading over to com slash Patreon, and by joining us over on Patreon, you can support this podcast and all the others at Golden Spiral Media in a financial way. You'll get some cool stuff in return, and one of those cool things we just started for this month is a new podcast series that is exclusive to our Patreon supporters. And that is a terrible movie podcast series where (laughs) our patrons get to nominate terrible movies and then we narrow it down. They get to vote on the terrible movie, Uh, whichever movie gets the most votes. Then two of the golden spiral media hosts have to do a podcast on that terrible movie and then that podcast is available exclusively to our Patreon supporters. So go check it out if that's uh, that's one of the perks you get from being a Patreon supporter. So again, goldenspiralmedia.com slash Patreon. And, and thank you to all of you who support us over there. All right, Doug, what do you say we get into some news for
1: this episode? I say we should. That's that's just what I'm thinking. Okay. Alrighty. Uh, the writer of this week's episode was Dan Dietz. The director was Stephen Semmel. I'm assuming I'm pronouncing that correctly. I guess so. And I don't know. Who knows? And I'm proud to announce that. Well, happy to announce. I know I'm so proud. It was, it's not really my effort that created this, but the person of interest episode for last Tuesday scored a 1.6 rating, which is in the higher range of what it's been doing this season. Uh, that was fifth for the night, just like last, uh, last week. And we had 9.1 million viewers, which was third. Again, the same places last week. A few, few, a few fewer, uh, viewers, but in general, like I said, third for the night. And, uh, so that was great. And uh, again, we had NCIS and NCIS New Orleans giving us the great lead in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're, we're moving right along. We are not losing, um, the, the audience. Like I said, this is, uh, we, I think we had a high of 1.8 this season. Few 1.7s, a few 1.6s. We've had 0.5s, 0.4s, and 0.3s as well. So we're, <laughs> we're, we're doing pretty good as far as uh, keeping the uh, keeping the audience there.
0: Yeah, you know, you mentioned last week that Jocelyn Carter's uh, new show or Trudy, uh Henson's new show, uh, Empire, has set a record where it had a, a ratings increase for its first five episodes. And that really intrigued me. So I went back and looked at the ratings for it. And not only you were, of course, you were right. Not not only had it had a ratings increase, but, you know, we we talk every week about the rating versus the the viewership. You know, that they could have a whole lot of viewers like like person of interest does. But it's that key demographic. How much of that target demographic is watching it? That's what determines the share. So Empire, in terms of the the total number of viewers, is not uh, the highest that's out there. But in terms of the the rating. It's the highest of any show that I could find, except for Big Bang Theory. And it, either Big Bang was a tenth or they were tied. Wow. And uh, so that tells you what, what Empire is doing. Really, really impressive numbers that that show is doing. So that blew me away. did not realize that show was doing that well. So good for uh, Jocelyn Carter.
1: <laughs> and the uh, the the record they had set last week, uh, about five weeks in a row, getting mm-hmm. higher, was like uh, there was a 23-year long record well they did it for a sixth week did they i didn't Again. look yeah yes. okay oh man so it's like it's this is <laughs> becoming unprecedented uh you know so it is amazing that that uh that is really really kicking along mm-hmm. yep all right well
0: any other news for us this week doug
1: no nothing more newsy here we have some old episode feedback though however we have uh, a couple of things came in uh one is from jess in atlanta great place to be from Uh, She said... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know anybody I like from that town. Oh, Oh, my goodness. Uh, Okay. Anyway, she said, listening to the Welcome to Maple podcast. That was a couple of weeks ago. And I was reminded about the Schrodinger cat explanation. Many, many shows uses as an analogy. And POI gave the best explanation I've heard. Kudos to the writers. For those who are curious... Schrodinger used this experiment to explain the quantum mechanical theory of superposition. Quantum mechanics is ultimately the study of probabilities, stating that until observed, the object, in this case the cat, can be in multiple states, alive or dead, at the same time, once observed, the wave function, a very complex math formula outlining those probabilities, collapses to the most probable state, Thus, since it's a 50% probability, our phantom cat has a 50% chance of remaining alive once observed. Now, she notes, another note, the term observed is used in a very loose sense here. doesn't literally mean to be seen, but to interact, and usually on a subatomic level. This is, we're getting beyond me here, but I, I understand that this isn't necessarily somebody looking at it, but yeah... This thought experiment is an introduction to the world of quantum mechanics. So, welcome to the dark side, she says. Fun fact, she adds, my quantum textbook in college had a live cat on the front and a suspiciously sleepy cat on the back. <laughs> I don't know how they got those cats to stay on the front and back of the books, though. I mean, they're usually, you know, pretty wiry. Anyway, that's your fun fact of the day.
0: That is a pretty funny book cover, though,
1: you have to admit. Uh, yeah, it does. uh <laughs> It's you know, a little in joke there for yeah. you know those quantum people. Definitely. And Andrew R gave us another little inside scoop. He said the RCMP, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, has been investing in investigating a known US crime figure. He's playing a doctor on a CTV show. They believe he's hiding in plain sight using the name Enrico Colantoni. So yes, there's uh we have uh uh oh for crying out loud. Um now why, why can not I remember these names. Names I'm just so bad with. But Fred, Fred, George Howard, who, 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 Enrico Colantoni plays in POI for crying out loud! Oh, I can't remember now. Anyway, um, and people are going to be screaming at me, I'm sure, when they're listening to this later on. Uh, but anyway, he's 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 also playing a uh, on a TV show in uh, in Canada. He says the source is the Samaritan Press Service. So there you go. So anyway, there we go. There's uh, some little catch up from feedback in the past mm-hmm.
0: what's so funny is I'm drawing a blank on his name too it's like you, you transferred <laughs> that mental block through the interwebs into my brain
1: Dominic on one side and Elias Elias, Elias. that's it that's it <laughs> Whew. how long have you been watching this show Doug I don't know four seasons yeah. no wait the four seasons weren't they a singing group no wait a minute <laughs> So, yes, actually it was. All right. Oh, man. You you were getting old, man.
0: Uh, well, I, I turned 39 this <laughs> you week. You just turned case. 40. I I mean, <laughs> apparently my dad thought I was 40. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's a joke, you know, you may remember this. A few years ago, the Oklahoma State f- head football coach was trying to defend one of his players f- who was getting beaten up by the media. And after, during his post-game press conference, he was like, you come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And this – so this I'm a man, I'm 40 became a catchphrase and it's – it. We, we here in Oklahoma still use it quite a bit. So when dad wrote that, I'm like, I'm not a man yet. I'm not 40.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy.
0: Save us I'm, from this uh, dialogue with some episode ratings, uh, okay. Doug. Okay.
2: You
1: know, I gave this one and I'm going to be in the minority again I think this week. Uh, seven Samaritan sponsored schools. I love the alliteration there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a good episode. It was, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those, it wasn't a standout one mm-hmm. the, for, for my uh, perspective. Okay. So, uh, but I know we have a lot of other people who gave it a better rating than that.
0: Yeah. Well, I was one of them. I, I liked it because we got Shaw, or excuse me, we didn't get Shaw. Sorry, no, no, we didn't. We got root.
1: We're having, we're having issues with names. <laughs> we are. We I, got You know, what root. I mean, Emily, it's just so. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Uh, Daryl. Yeah,
0: yeah. I didn't see it coming when she showed up on screen. I literally l- cheered out loud. There were a few moments where I where I uh, I either cheered or I gasped or I I had a, a, a physical reaction to what was going on on screen. And so those episodes tell me that I'm I'm really enjoying and getting into what's happening on screen. So I gave it a nine. I gave it nine search algorithms.
1: Alrighty, and there was only one, but it's it's one that counted. That's right, Andrew B. Or, as we tend to call him, Andrew. Andrew <laughs> gave it nine bloody keys. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wet hen orth gave it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> did I mispronounce no. that? I think so. Oh, oh, it's we the North. I I, I saw a little too much Celebrity Jeopardy this last week. <laughs> Uh, 5.9 Fusco punches,
1: 5.9. I mean, uh-huh. what, what would have, t- what would it have taken to get that extra one to get the six? I
0: wow. don't know. I don't know. I guess it made him madder than a wet hen.
1: Hen. <laughs> well, that's the low end of this, uh, of the, uh, the, uh, uh, ratings this week. We had, uh-huh. I am Groot gave it seven smug Greers. Uh, or, definitely. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, Vivek gave it eight
0: dented urns. That was a pretty big dent.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Linda gave it nine abnormally yet awesomely alarming algorithms.
0: Nice. You talk about some alliteration. There you go. Uh, Zachary gave it 10 missed shots to the shoulder.
1: And we're, 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 we're back in the in the groove here, where I rate it low, Zach rates it high, or I yeah. rate it high, Zach rates it low.
0: <laughs> Clearly, you and Zach have different scoring or different things that appeal to you, and and no, for Zach, not. it uh, it fired on all cylinders this week.
1: Well, for Andrew J, Andrew J, it was eight metal detector wands.
0: Mm-hmm. Jerry C gave it eight backstabbing Samaritan agents. Benson F gave it eight Val questions. And Yogabon gave it eight chess pieces well played. And I guess I should also note that Wet Hen Orth uh, has amended the rating to six instead of the five point.
1: Oh, okay. He gave it He gave it that extra one tenth mm-hmm. of a point already. Yep. Somehow
0: it earned a, a tenth of a point between five minutes ago and now.
1: <laughs> it's amazing. It's
0: amazing. <laughs> hey, I've had I've had that happen to me. Not the stones.
1: All right. One quick thing before we get into the actual story, mm-hmm. I read it. I was looking, you know, for some information about uh, a Siri in general. I thought I could make a cute little uh, uh, a graphic or something, and I posted one in the uh, Facebook uh, page about you know asking a question about Siri, about person of interest, and it suggested that we, you know, you should listen to this podcast. But anyway. I found this article from the Apple Insider, appleinsider.com, in June 2013.
0: What are you doing reading Apple Insider? You're a Windows guy. You're not allowed on that website.
1: (laughs) Espionage. I'm going to turn you into the moderators. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) They won't know what to do with me. Uh, but anyway, when the iOS digital assistant Siri is presented with a user that indicates he or she is considering suicide, this is from June of uh, you yeah, know 2013, the mm-hmm. f- program will offer to call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Before this most recent edition, uh, iOS 6, uh, iOS 7, Siri would show the locations of centers but not offer to call them. So uh, and if you have like an iPod touch uh, or an iPad and that doesn't have a phone you just uh, it'll read off the uh, the phone numbers and things like that for uh, but then show you the uh, nearest uh, suicide prevention center. so you know I thought that was uh, very interesting that this has actually been an issue and that they that Apple has dealt with in the past.
0: Mhm. That's really interesting and and uh kind of uh heartwarming in a way that that it would that you know that they would take the extra step to to try to help people out in that way.
1: Yeah, yeah. I when you have a, I mean, you have a, a a thing like Siri where you people are going to talk to it, that you would, you might say things to it that you would not normally type out or something like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I thought it was incredibly, or, or uh, yeah, I'll go incredibly interesting. That last week uh, for our in the news segment, we talked about Samsung TVs, you know, listening in and hearing things, and then in, you know doing something with those because it has to go to a server in the sky and get translated and that sort of thing well then we saw that sort of thing happening here with the uh, search engine Uh, it wasn't google it was fetch and retrieve but it had some nice little bright primary colors here and there and (laughs) certainly was trying to pay homage to to google Uh, but yeah i thought it was interesting that that kind of thing that we talked about in the news that concept of what happens when people use siri or other voice activated devices uh, was on on display here in this episode
1: yeah it was interesting too. Uh, I was watching the Twitter feed you know during the uh during the episode, and the writer uh he posted this is for those of you who are wondering Anna's job where she was transcribing the questions asked by users Anna's job is real uh they have an assistant Hillary Benefield who was a Siri transcriber for a while so mm. it's it's very interesting yeah, so they do that and I think that's for you know partially for making sure that they get a better uh voice recognition and understanding you know this this kind of word you know is spoken certain ways or d- different kinds of ways i guess something like that so yeah so that's an actual um that wasn't something they made up for this as an actual job yeah so fetch and retrieve mhm we start out with uh, yeah with Anna Mueller she's a transcriber for fetch and retrieve and <laughs> i liked um i think it was uh Reese who talked about it being nerd nirvana yeah. yeah. That seemed like the place you'd want to work. Oh my goodness. And the, uh, the, the, like I said, the, the transcribing job is not, you know, is not, wasn't made up for this episode. They actually, uh, uh, did something, uh, that was is similar to what, uh, what happens in the real world. And Anna finds this anomaly. We don't really find out what that anomaly is initially. Mm-hmm. But she's talking to a coder, uh, Naresh, and, uh, wants to figure out, uh, to see what's going on. And ultimately, Naresh really just kind of, brushes her off and says, it's, it's, it's something we'll just fix up in the, uh, in the code later, or it's, it's not, you know, just a little bug we'll fix up later. And, and she seems to be thinking that it's more of an issue, not just a, you know, and now, yeah, I mean, you could see where a transcriber versus a coder, well, look at the coder knows what he's doing, right? He mm-hmm. has a, uh, uh, he, he's part of, uh, he's written this algorithm. He's, you know, he's very familiar with it. He should be able to, you know, diagnose it properly. And so she's, you know, e- but but even even with that, she does seem to uh, want to keep pressing this because I guess it really hit her hard.
0: Yeah, and, and like you say, at the time, we didn't know what it was, but when we do find out what it, what it was that she had discovered, it makes, you know, a lot of sense why she would react the way that she did and pushing it and trying to draw, you know, red flags to it so that they could get some action taken on it. Because that's the last thing you want to have happen is... Someone looking like they are needing help with suicide, suicidal thoughts, which was true, and the program trying to push them over the edge. I mean, it's so when we found out what it was. It made a whole lot of sense why she would take the risks that she took uh, to try to get it taken care of.
1: And uh, and she also had this is kind of a kind of a side story. It made for a. um a, 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 way to get her back home, but we find out that her, uh, sister Jill is a, uh, chemo patient and, uh, and she's been doing mixed martial arts, uh, backroom kind of things, uh, as, as a way to raise money to keep, uh, keep her sister in the, uh, chemo, uh, the, you know the chemical uh, mixture that she needs mm-hmm. and and yeah that that really wasn't explored very much but it was useful to get her back and again to show that here's uh samaritan uh able to hack into those things and create a fake emergency to bring her back there so mm-hmm. we're getting a little bit of you know a little bit of the mythos is is still figuring into all this but uh but not as much as as kind of i would have liked to uh to see there was a little more in the b story which will uh catch a little bit later, but it was, uh, it was, and then this is, this is where my seven is coming from. It was a good, uh, solid episode. There wasn't really much of a crossover between what Finch was doing and what uh, Reese was doing, but it was, uh, it, it moved the, the, uh, overarching, uh, mythos forward a little bit there. Well,
0: there was the crossover at the very end of the episode, which we'll get to. Uh, I did like where they kind of, like, I felt like they got all they could out of the MMA maybe they created the MMA uh, just for the sake of being able to have her kick some butt and help Reese out from time to time, because at first it was just a, it seemed like it might just be a, uh, a cover for her to have these bruises, not a cover, but, you know, an explanation for her to have mm-hmm. these bruises on her heart, her arm. Uh, we saw those. And I think the reasonable assumption was that, you know, she's in some sort of abusive relationship.
1: But creates a little drama there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But, but it turned out not to be the case, but they, they, at least they, they got a couple of rounds out of it. Uh, no pun intended where they, they show that she's getting the bruises because she, she's kicking butt on the side for the sake of her sister, as you mentioned. But they also used it for, uh, for to give her some legitimacy to, to, uh, coming to the assistance of, of team machine there a few times. So that was, some, mm-hmm. I kind of like that. I don't actually that, that they got a little bit more out of it that way. It wasn't. It wasn't as cheap as it would have been otherwise.
1: I thought it very. I, I there is, uh, one of the tropes here was you know this corporate guy who is you know not really concerned about his clients, his his the people who use his product. So you know we have we have um, and I'm going back to see because see I'm not good at names. Calvin Mazur was uh, I don't you know he wasn't the CEO. Lauren was the CEO, but he was uh, as part, as far as the uh, surge algorithm went. He was kind of in charge of that, and this whole idea of steering people toward specific uh, advertisers that uh, that were advertising for the company eh, that seemed to be a little, again, kind of tropish. Uh, it was it was uh, you could almost see that uh, coming a mile away. So, uh, so that, and I, that's, that I wasn't too thrilled with that, uh, particular way the plot, you know, worked itself out. So, uh, but yeah, the, the idea that, uh, that this could happen. I mean, you, we've, we've, uh, seen in the past, I, I remember talking about how, uh, or not talking about here, but, uh, on Facebook where, uh, how it tries to figure out what news stories in your news feed you want to see and it tries to figure out uh what you like what you don't like and not just what you click on the like button but you know things um advertisements you go to and stuff like that so it tries to kind of figure out figure you out basically and so i can see where this could happen with a uh with an ai Program in the back, you know. Imagine if Samaritan was talking to you, you know, and <laughs> that would not be a good thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I can see where this is. This was certainly plausible as far as a uh, a science y type show. there's you know, the the element of that in this was uh, certainly plausible.
0: Yeah, sure. I I, I don't. Uh, I, I think you're right. And you know, you you we talked last week about the the tropiness of you know, the big bad corporate. We had that last week with the jury. Uh, situation but you know a little bit different this week where you had the ceo as you mentioned she wasn't aware of it she wasn't going to go for it and then of course it came into a head there at the end of the episode so there was at least that where you had uh someone who was from the corporate world standing to say no we're not not going to do that um and you had the thing where you know of course you created the bad guy where the bad guy got it in the end but it does get a little old. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to lie, man. It gets a little old where the big corporates are, are always the bad guy. And like I said last week, I'm not going to sit here and defend every action that, that, uh, corporate entities make. There certainly have been some bad ones, you know, Enron not being the least among them, you know, but, uh, you know, corporations and, and they do a lot of good. They create a lot of jobs. They create a lot of commerce. They create, you know, a lot of, um opportunities for a lot of people. So, anyway, sidebar there. I won't I won't get off on it too much, but
1: Yeah, but they can they they are still populated by humans that's as right. far as it goes, mm-hmm. so there you are. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. All right. So, I had one question. Okay. So, Anna gets kidnapped, gets the hood over the face, you know, gets mm-hmm. in the van, thrown in the van, off it goes. It's driving around. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And at one point, Reese steps out right in front of it and shoots, you know, something, takes a shot. I don't know. I forget where the shot hit. Question. Mm -hmm. How did he know where the van was going to be? Man,
0: I don't know. There was so much on that scene
1: I thought was a little weak because the van's moving.
0: She's kind of coming around between the seats trying to get the driver, too. And Reese shoots the driver. Luckily, he didn't shoot her. She doesn't end up flying through the windshield, even though she's clearly not buckled in and she's right there because it impacts the other car. That whole scene to me was just like, that's the dumbest TV. That's so TV tropey, you know, but (laughs) that's okay. It was fun. I'll go along with it. (laughs) So I don't know.
1: I don't know. Yeah, this main story, I think, had had a little weakness there. Now, um, I I liked the B story a little better from Mm -hmm. uh, from the perspective of, of of a story. You know, that's how it goes. Yogaban in the chat room, uh, she, she's looking at both these uh, uh, the storylines here, and she said that it shows the parallels were stronger uh, between the stories. Both addressed how our team's perceptions affect the choices that they make to help or not help someone. So, yeah, there is a lot of uh, perception going on, and this is something that we have seen with the way the machine deals with uh, Finch and Root differently. Finch gets a number. Root gets... Instructions, you know, step one, step two, step three. Even then, she doesn't know the whole, you know, the end game. She doesn't know where this is going, or at least she did. We don't have, I don't think, I don't believe she has this, uh, this issue or this, this, uh, tie into the machine like she used to. But yes, it's, um, it's something where we still don't know, um, we don't get the full story from the machine. The, I believe the Samaritan folks do. I think, uh, you know, they do get, uh, the backgrounds and all the stuff from Samaritan saying this is what I want you to do. Um, maybe there's not a, a, a why, but the uh, there's there's less left to you know perception, less left from you know the Samaritan moves its chess pieces very specifically, whereas the machine is a little more hands off and lets the pieces run around as they will, figuring things out as they go along. So mm-hmm. yeah, there is a uh, there is that issue with perceptions.
0: Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think Bonita's right too. And, and, um, I also, I also think we saw it earlier in the season where the, uh, Samaritan folks seem to be getting more information delivered to them than, uh, the Team Machine folks are getting delivered to them. If for even before Samaritan was obviously the, the machine now is very limited on what it can give. But even before that restriction was in place, they're getting more information than Team Machine ever did from, from their machine, which doesn't seem fair.
1: No. But The good guys are getting hobbled here.
0: That's right. They really are. <laughs> Almost got completely hobbled in this episode. Uh, we'll get to the B storyline, which I thought was way more compelling than the A storyline. But uh, let's finish up here with the A storyline where um, we we figure out Naresh missing. We figure out it's because he's kind of, I don't know if he's in cahoots with the... Uh, what, what, what was his position? Who wasn't the CEO. We had the, you, t- you said already. Yeah, uh, the
1: t- chief technology guy. I'm yeah. not sure exactly. I forget.
0: The algorithm guy. Yeah. So I guess he, got, I guess he figured out what, was, my guess is, the way I understood it, I guess I should say, he figured out what was going on and the algorithm guy paid him off, gave him a bonus or a raise or a higher position to kind of shut up about it. Is, is that the way you understood it too?
1: Either that or the, he was just trying to get these two apart. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Uh huh. Oh, you know, as as Anna was figuring out what was going on and letting uh, Naresh know about it, he just wanted to keep those two separated. Mm-hmm. Possibly, I you know, again, I didn't quite uh, catch the, uh, the the complete motivation there.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, as as that, as we do figure out what's going on with him and and uh, what's revealed that that Anna was looking for with the suicide and. We learned that the guy Zimmerman was targeted, as we, as we kind of talked about earlier, and it was all kind of trying to figure out an advertising angle to this whole thing, which is pretty twisted when you think about it. I mean, these are people's lives that you're messing with, as Anna pointed out, or as the CEO pointed out, and he didn't even seem to have any remorse about it then, even when he was confronted about it then. That's That's pretty messed up, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you th- And you think, too, when you go to, uh, to to Google and you search for something, you get some um, advertising uh, links there. Oh, maybe you're interested in this product and this product. And this. Oh, and here, here's your search results as well. So, yeah, there's a little bit of that going on now. When you have just a uh, thing like Siri talking to you and all you're getting is, you know, one quick uh, uh, response to it, yeah, that can be a little more uh, – uh that may make more of an impact. Well, I
0: don't mind – getting ads and i don't delight in ads i don't enjoy ads but i mean i don't mind getting an ad or i don't mind the concept of getting served up an ad for something that's benign right but when you're talking about someone who is searching for suicide or or depression things like that you don't fool around with that which is what they were doing right it was a test and he was a victim of a test yeah so sorry but man you gotta clean that kind of stuff out of your out of your search algorithms you don't mess around with that but because the idea that you could exploit that and use that to your advantage and use people's emotions, which is what he was saying, right? We're going to exploit their emotions and try to learn from them. And that made it a whole lot more sense. When when it does tie into Samaritan there at the end of the episode, we find out that Greer walks into that boardroom and he's going to now take them over. It just made perfect sense. That is the type of thing that Samaritan would do. That is the type of thing that Greer would exploit. Um, mm-hmm. But... I don't think that Greer or Samaritan were involved up to that point. I think it it was uh, it was Calvin that was doing that. Uh, but I think that correct me if I if you understood it differently. My understanding was that this was kind of Calvin's deal, and then but the, Samaritan was observing it because Samaritan is in everything, right? Yeah. And yeah. and saw an opportunity to step in to this weakened company and take advantage of this exploitative software that had been developed. Which is perfectly a Samaritan's alley. Is that the way you understood it too? Uh,
1: Yeah, I I, I had a feeling that that's uh, that was what this is. This was not something new that uh, fetch and retrieve was like. Oh golly, we now have we have a potential buyer. Uh, It was probably uh, grooming uh, the the software for that situation. You know, one thing I, I was thinking about just now is you know you you shouldn't mess around with some somebody's search doing search terms for suicide well, you know let's think about this let's let's go with Google or Siri or whoever really type in words, say the words whatever you go to your you know your database of every internet you know web page and ever that ever existed come back with some search terms you know the the term you asked for is here the term you asked for is over here then you've got to make. Special accommodations or special situations where what if this is a person who's asking about suicide? You know, the, the question here I, I'm, I'm seeing is how much uh, responsibility do search engine, uh, search engine companies have for returning quote unquote appropriate results for things like this situation, like suicide or, um, uh, How to murder your wife without being caught? You know, what, what do you do with that? You know, I mean, there's, there's all of a sudden you can, you can't just, or can you, you know, I mean, where's the responsibility begin and the, I'm just a technology company end, you know, that's a, a wonderful little, um, you know, question that, that comes from this episode to kind of knock around. It wasn't really necessarily talked about specifically, uh, in the plot, but that's, that's an interesting thing to, to consider. Do we have, how much responsibility do search engine companies have for those kinds of searches? How to make a bomb? You know, mm-hmm. what do you do? Do you automatic, oh, if it's this kind of a, uh, you know, this kind of request, well, then we'll, you know, let F- the FBI know about it as opposed to that movie was a bomb. You know, you've got to understand those kinds of things. Right. I don't know that, that that's just, there's it's a can of worms. Well,
0: it is a can of worms. You get into minority report, you know, stuff at that point, but you know, it, you know, Google is already doing stuff where they're screening for, I think like like pedophile activities or, or, or child porn activities. And, and, and so they're, uh, correct me if I'm wrong but I think that they they monitor some things like that and will turn that information over to the authorities so that the authorities can do investigations and you know arrests as as necessary if you have you heard about that is that something that i've
1: uh, yeah, Made I, up. I, th- I, th- I think I'm, I'm I've heard not, that somewhere. Not really sure if I've heard that, but I've heard, uh, you know, cases where Google has turned over some information and I'm not sure exactly mm-hmm. whether it was subpoenaed or something like that or if they yeah. do that automatically. I don't
0: think it's being subpoenaed. I, I think they're taking a more proactive approach to that. And, and uh, I'm going off the cuff here. I, I'm, I haven't looked this up, but it seems like I heard something fairly recently. And I don't know if it was a local story or if it was a national story that I that I heard where, uh, it was, it, it happened because Google had noticed some search behavior of an individual. And, uh, I think it was a child porn sting or, or trap or sex trafficking sting or something like that. Um, so I, I could be wrong, but I, I seem to, uh, that's what I seem to recall. Um, and so you look at that, right, Doug? And I think 99% of the people out there would go, yeah, that's right. We want to shut those people down. That's clearly something that, you know, everybody has a, has a moral bent against, right? But then you get into some other grayer areas here. Well, you know, I mean, at what point do you draw the line against illegal activity and want these sorts of services to be in place? Call a service if you want uh, to stop that or to curtail that before it happens. Because then, like I said, you're getting into a minority report that you're going to commit this crime. We've, <laughs> we've been able to predict it, you know. Yikes
1: yeah Yikes, really and yeah. the well, and the other thing too is that the the request may be perfectly legitimate, perfectly innocent. I know of a friend who is considering suicide, you know mm-hmm. what what are opportunities are there that i could I could send to them uh, you know that sort of thing so yeah it's a it's a it's a fine line and it's it's not something i i think you know part of this is going to be the Uh, the state of the art of voice recognition and not just voice recognition for the words, but voice recognition for the meaning. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's, that's, that's something that we're getting better at, I think, but it's, it's still a, 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 it's still a gray area. Yeah, for sure.
0: All right, let's talk about the B story. Like I said, this was a lot more compelling to me. It was obviously the B story. So we got less time, but you and I spoke two episodes ago, I think about whatever happened to Claire that, that crazy girl. It's always crazy. Claire. You ever noticed that? I, I noticed in this episode, we were talking about crazy Claire and it reminded me of lost. I'm like, man, if my character, if I, if I ever have a character named Claire and I'm an actress, you know, I'm like, am I going to be crazy? No. Is this crazy? Claire? Am <laughs> I, I going to end up think- with a squirrel baby? I mean, how far are we going with this thing here? Go with my baby. Yeah. The dingo took my baby. <laughs> um, sorry. So anyway, we have, we have Claire back in this episode. Well, she wasn't
1: entirely crazy. No. She had just drunk the Kool-Aid.
0: Yeah, yeah, you could definitely say that. And it wasn't clear right away on if she had drunk the Kool-Aid or not.
1: They did a good job with that. You know, writing, that, uh, writing all those scenes was, was, you know, is she or isn't she? You know, there's, there's going to be the obvious, oh, wow, she's just trying to pull Vinch in. And yeah. they, they gave you enough to make you, you know, second guess yourself.
0: They did. You know, I was obviously very suspicious of her. Uh, I even wrote in in the notes at some point. Yeah, it was when she had the flash drive. And I'm like, I wrote my notes. Am I the only one not trusting her here? Because she looks like she's probably she could be a plant here to try to get Samaritan to get Finch over into Samaritan. And, of course, that is exactly what happened. But it went back and forth. There were times where I wanted to trust her, times where I did not trust her at all and then uh finch mentions the thing about the wreck that seems to disprove her she tells the information that seems to prove her point and i'm like a ping pong ball going back and forth how where were you at were you, were you experiencing the same thing
1: i i yes i well, i was i noticed a, a number of tweets of folks who were made their minds up early there was one tweet uh where right after you know he meets her she gets a uh, shot you know in the shoulder or whatever yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, somebody tweeted that's a setup finch. A sharpshooter would have gone for the head, not a soft spot on the shoulder. Mm. So, yeah, you can kind of see, you know, it's all wonderful, uh, 2020 hindsight here. Yes, um, because, for example, when we first met Claire, how did she get saved at the very end? There were people with guns strained on her. Bam, bam. A sharpshooter took them out. Mm-hmm. You know, she is, you know, the uh, target of a sharpshooter and it's kind of a little, uh, you know, thing off the side there and, and it's not uh, fatal or anything like that. So, yeah, you could you can see that and say, oh well, you should have known from the beginning. But like I said, yeah, you, like just like you did, I was kind of back and forth thinking, yeah. And and when the when the uh, uh, the flash drive came out, it's like, boot up your virtual machine software, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't just plug it in.
0: That's right. When he was just about to plug it in, and this phone rang. I thought it was going to be some wrong number or something like that. Like Samaritan was trying to stop him. Of course, it wasn't. It was just Fusco. Dumb luck, I guess. Maybe you could say, but. Man, it was, I, that's why I liked it. It was like, I don't know which way to go here. There's, I could go either way. I can't figure it out. It's really compelling.
1: When the, when the phone rang, I was waiting for the machine to say Sierra, Tango, Oscar, Papa. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> do not,
0: do not put that in your computer. Uh, and then of oh, course no. they end up in the mortuary again, which again, another lo- lost flashback here. We've seen, uh, Ben Linus in a, in a mortuary before with, <laughs> Jack Shepard and and John Locke in a box. <laughs> oh
1: man, yeah. Oh, is it? What was it? Now, um, the the director of the episode uh, had t- tweeted about that time um, when they were in the mortuary. He tweeted, "See, between Lost, which I edited for six years, uh-huh. and POI, I've stared at Michael Emerson more than anyone except Carrie Preston." Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I wonder if he was in the mortuary then too. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, one one quick little thing here: the phone number that uh, that had the GPS coordinates encoded and things like that had a nine five zero area code. Mm-hmm. And so I, I looked this up, and there is no nine five zero area code. So that right off the bat is not a. Uh, We've had phone numbers. There is a phone number you can call, and you'll hear it's a New York City uh, area code, and you'll hear Harold Finch pick up, you know, recorded messages. Pretty cool. Uh, but the nine five zero is not a, not a valid area code. However, if you remember way back in the day, before there were multiple long distance carriers, if you wanted to use, like MCI was one of the first, they had an exchange, and you know, like not the area code, but the next set of three numbers. That's the exchange. Nine five zero was in. Many uh, uh, area codes around the country. It was set aside for calling MCI, like third-party, what they called inter-exchange carriers. So you dial the nine five zero number, you know, nine five zero one two three four. Get your uh, MCI. Then you type in your MCI magic number, and then you type in the uh, the phone number you wanted to call. So that's what that that's what nine five zero comes from. Later on, those uh, that feature was uh, was obsoleted by a new a new feature they added to the. Uh, the phone system where you dial 1010 10, and then a three digit number for you know one's for MCI one was for Sprint I mm-hmm. believe it was one of I them I remember those like that mm-hmm. so but 950 was was uh was never it it and even now it is not a um, uh an area code so there you go if you can't call that number you'll get a and I tried it you'll get a you know some kind of um recording that says you've dialed the wrong um code carrier code or something like that
0: okay i tried calling it but my phone is dead it won't it won't dial out. I can't get phone calls. It's it's just it's been a disaster trying to even work with some of my clients this week. So
1: a phone that won't call. That's, yeah, that's, that's I'm wondering a brick, if Greer's right? done something to it or <laughs> or
0: uh, I don't know. I have a new one that's coming tomorrow though. So but I, I oh, tried to new call toys. And I get it toys get to go through.
1: More fun, more mm-hmm. fun. Yes, indeed. So yeah, I, I liked the idea that Samaritan would try to uh, try to pull. You know, uh try to pull Finch out of the shadows mm-hmm. and try to convince him via somebody he has had a connection with before. Yeah. And and one that I would think Samaritan would know he had a, a a more more direct connection, more uh one where he's really trying to bring her back and you know, from from the dark side. So taking that uh and manipulating the emotions that way. I can see definitely where where Samaritan would see that as a a good way to get into to Finch's brain, into his mind and mess with it there. And I, I so, so I thought that really uh, really well written, really well done. Like you said, ping pong back and forth. Mm-hmm. It was just not who knows what's going on. And then ultimately, we had the uh, the the pitch, the final pitch at the school. Uh-huh, yeah. Wow,
0: and that was fascinating to see her take that approach to Finch, try to. Uh, look at it from a different point of view that, uh, you know, there's always two sides to every coin. There's always two points of view. And, you know, you hear somebody make an argument and, and tell you what happened, you know, whether it's a car wreck or I don't know, a scuffle on the playground or whatever it is when there are, there's always two sides to two points of view. And so for her to come along and say, you know, Samaritan's making the world a better place. It, it's found the holes and the, the weak spots in the education system. It's trying to help, Find the answers to food shortages and water shortages. I mean, come on, who doesn't like the sound of that? That mm-hmm. sounds fantastic. Put, sign me up for that. But but it's the means. It's just not that cut and dry, not that simple. And Harold, to his to his uh, credit, does a really good job of pointing some some things out. Well, if that's truly the case, why did things happen this way? Why did you get shot? You know, and when she asks Greer that at the end of the episode, what if he'd missed? You weren't supposed to even shoot me. Why did you shoot me? You could have killed me. And Greer doesn't say, I'm sorry, it was a mistake, or my guy made an error. He says, You know what? At least you would have died for a good cause. He doesn't care about her and now she knows it. And now she's got a little bit of doubt. We saw another uh Samaritan operative having a little bit of doubt earlier in the season. I like this. I like this. It, it seems to be it's setting up some pieces to be able to take down Samaritan from the inside, which I think is the way it's going to have to go down.
1: Yeah. With, with around Greer, you know, over his dead body. Huh? Who knows? Okay. you No. Know, that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. But then, and then of course, uh, just before all is lost and, uh, Harold is, you know, kidnapped by the Samaritan goons, mm-hmm. the return of root.
0: Yeah, that was so cool. I didn't see it coming. So when she shows up, I'll said earlier, I was like, "Yes!" <laughs> yes! She's back.
1: Did a little Yeah, happy I did, dance. did a good job. We didn't we didn't have enough time for to find out where she's been or anything. But like yeah. it was just good to bring her back and just, you know, last minute and, you know, coming on, uh, you know, with the cavalry and boom, well, or guns, whatever. Yep. And uh there you go. But um But that was, yeah, that was good to, to, I, I, how do you get out of that particular situation when the whole rest of the team is off Mm -hmm. chasing something else?
0: Well, that was another moment that really made me react when they're still inside the school and Claire's trying to convince Finch, everyone leaves the bells rung or whatever it was that caused everybody to clear out. And Finch says, he's not going to go with her. And then like eight guys step out from the shadows, you know, because they were there the whole time. And, it didn't look like there was any any anybody there, and so when they show up and just that presence of those people, it was like, oh dang, you know. And <laughs> and it was it was metaphorical in a way too. It's like Samaritan is always there and you don't see them. So that was a really good scene. The very next scene was when they go outside and Root shows up and takes them all out. It was just really well done. I, I loved it. I just thought it was exciting and and just these two sides playing chess. It's a draw at the end of the episode. They got Finch's laptop, but he got away, you know, and and there wasn't a whole lot of information. I think they probably will get some info out of it. I don't know, man. It was good. I liked the B storyline a whole lot.
1: Yeah, a lot better. And I like the way they're writing Greer as, um, you know, he could have been a little more uh, sympathetic, I guess. You know, I'm sorry we didn't mean to do that, that sort of thing. But He has, we've already seen a little bit of his past and how he really believes that humanity, even the people that work for him, and I wonder if he thinks even himself, Mm -hmm. not sure exactly, uh, whether he thinks he's better, but I don't, I don't think he does. Uh, he certainly is ready to do whatever Samaritan tells him to do, but he's got this idea that humanity really does need to be micromanaged from, you know, from outside, from, from up top. So, it really was um, in character with what he's been uh, shown as all along. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You sure you don't want to bump up your rating a little bit more?
1: <laughs> I don't know. The A story was like two-thirds <laughs> of the episode. So it was, I, you know, and uh, they did
0: come uh, yeah. together at the very end when, they, when uh, Reese, Reese, boy, really, uh, Greer shows up in the boardroom, but that wasn't quite enough, although it could have a bigger payoff down the road. We'll see. We'll see if that turns out up again.
1: That would be nice. That would be nice too. Yeah, because they've done this. I mean, they're 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 good at you know, you don't have to bring back every single character you ever had in the past, but they mm-hmm. do occasionally you know bring in um, things that so you got to pay attention. you got to keep an eye an idea of what's going on here. Mm-hmm.
0: So we're gonna see Root next week. You think? You know, she when she was down there, they kind of the gang got back together down there in the subway, and she said, "Well, I'm only here for what eight seconds or something." That she said, and then she was out again. Do you, so do you think that she's going to be gone for a little while doing her own thing, or, or is she basically back to doing her own thing with the machine and popping in regularly for each episode, like she has been all season?
1: I think she's back uh, for at least a, a time here. Uh, I don't know if she's found. You know, we we didn't get a, a clue as to whether or not she's found anything about Shaw, mm-hmm. or whether the machine somehow because she doesn't have the you know the implant anymore, so the machine whether it somehow sent her back to uh, to save. Uh, Finch just at the right moment, that sort of thing. Yeah. I, I, I think those days, at least for now, are are gone. So um, I'm thinking that her arrival was fortuitous, but I think it's it's she's going to be back for a little while here to, to maybe regroup. Tell us what she's found about uh, where Shaw might be, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And I, but I do think that she owes us as listeners via you know reese and finch some sort of explanation as to where she went even if it's just you know i needed some time to to Explain exhale or to gather my thoughts you know something i i would like to know what happened after she stormed off
1: yeah yeah that'd be good yeah all right, all right. anything else on the episode um i'm i'm with you i'd like to be story better Thank okay
0: you. all right what kind of news, uh, surveillance and the news, do you have for us this week? I haven't actually—I haven't looked ahead to see what you have.
1: Well, I just actually uh, found this. Oh golly, I think it was yesterday. Spyware linked to NSA discovered in hard drives across the world. Ha 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 Noted cybersecurity firm Kasp- <laughs> Kaspersky mm-hmm. Lab. Now this is, um, th- and I've—I've I've seen their um, their antivirus software before. Kaspersky Lab has discovered evidence of advanced spyware likely tied to the National Security Agency embedded deep in hard drives from more than a dozen manufacturers worldwide. According to the Moscow-based firm, which released a report detailing the threat Monday, the spyware is able to reprogram the firmware of infected drives and inject the computers they're built into with highly effective and evasive malware adept at gathering information and avoiding detection. Oh, wow, that sounds... Marvelous. Attributed to hackers dubbed the Equation Group by Kaspersky, the threat surpasses anything known in terms of complexity and sophistication of techniques and has been active in major hard drives manufactured by Western Digital, Seagate, Toshiba, and others in more than 30 countries over the last 20 years. Wow. Yeah. Alrighty. Wow. Okay. So the question is how did, were Western Digital, Seagate, Toshiba, or whatever? Were they complicit in this? Mm -hmm. Well, it says here, a spokesman for both Western Digital and Seagate deny sharing their hard drive source code with the government. However, a former NSA analyst confirmed to Reuters that the NSA has ways, via ways, of obtaining the source code for hard drives, including posing as a software developer or requesting a security audit for a proposed purchase. So the NSA is going to buy a whole bunch of hard drives, and so they just say, well, you've got to send them to us first, and then they hack the innards. Wow. So, yeah, that's, um, the, uh, according to Kaspersky, the number of attacks is likely much higher. Uh, the Swedish surveillance platforms has been uh, behind more than 500 attacks against military and government institutions mm. in, um, all, you know, all over the, over the world, Iran, Russia, China, Syria, Yemen. But the number of attacks is likely much higher, maybe in the tens of thousands, but self-destruct mechanisms embedded in the infections make the true number virtually uncountable.
0: That's unbelievable, man.
1: And the reason they think it's the NSA is because uh, the group, the the equation group was linked to the Stuxnet virus. If you recall that in the news uh, some years ago, Uh, that was something that was supposed to infect uh, Iranian uranium enrichment centrifuges, the software that dealt with those. And it worked, you know. So, and this is the same, uh, seems to be the same group. So, wow. That's right. Your tax dollars at work.
0: It reminds me on the show last season or maybe the season before where we found out that there was uh, something that had been put into all of the routers and the switches. And so all the Internet traffic information was being funneled into Samaritan at that point. But it was before. Well, it wasn't. It was Greer. It was actually Greer, right? It was it was before they had they had gotten Samaritan online. So pretty scary stuff.
1: So there you go. There's your surveillance in the news of this week. Just making you feel a little better.
0: Yes. Man, that makes me sick to my stomach. That is just,
1: <laughs>
0: I don't even know what to say. But I know what, to, what I'll say. Let's get into some feedback and cheer me back up after Something that. Something a little nicer, yes. Yes. All right. Well, let's get it kicked off this week uh, with some audio feedback. And we've got some, uh, let's get it kicked off with with uh, Dodge. What do you say? I like it. All right.
3: Voice assisted lookup. Hello, Val. This is Doc H. Hello, Doc. It's not Doc. It's Doc H. Where Where does the internet get this stuff?
2: Can I enter a few in voice assisted suicide today, Doc? Uh,
3: no thanks, Val. I think I'll pass on the voice assisted suicide. What I'd like is for you to find me a nice, um, person of interest podcast. That I can download, you know, something about an hour and 10 hour 15 minutes long, something that's uh, nice, you know, uh In person of interest is a TV show, in case you didn't know.
2: I found one podcast source that is very highly rated. It is based in Oklahoma at Golden Spiral Media.
3: Okay, try and find me a really interesting recent episode.
2: It is easier for me to search for an interesting episode if you name one of the characters.
3: Okay, try the name Reese.
2: You said, Reese, would you like to buy some chocolate today? Walmart is having a sale on peanut butter cups.
3: Oh, I get it. Reese's peanut butter cups. No, no, I'm talking about John Reese, a character. Try Finch. That might be better. You said, Finch,
2: would you like to join the Audubon Society today? They are well known for their love of wild
3: birds. No, I'm talking about the character in the show, person of interest, Harold Finch. Okay, I see what you're doing. You're trying to sell me stuff I don't need. Let me think. Let me think of a good name. All right. Here you go. I have a name you can't mess up. Shaw. Samin Shaw. Find me an episode with uh, that name in it.
2: Did you say Shaw? Do you mean Robert Shaw? Or did you mean Sam Peck in pot? Would you like to subscribe to Netflix? They have movies by Robert Shaw and Sam Peck in pod?
3: No, not those guys. I'm talking about, like, you know, um, here's one. Try, uh, Root. And don't give me any of that vegetarian garden stuff. Give me, um, Samantha Groves. She's a character.
2: What? Did you say Sam's roots, bro? Do you mean and Sam? Would you like to watch a Yosemite Sam cartoon?
3: No, Val. I'm talking, Val, you're pretty frustrating. You're more like Hal, Hal nine thousand. Are you gonna kill me now?
2: Hal nine thousand That is funny dodge because I go both ways.
3: A C A C All right, I get it. You're starting to scare me a little bit. Is there like maybe a human there? Uh at this uh was it Golden Spiral Media that I can talk to?
2: Of course, you can talk to Benevolent Minion, Doug, or you can talk to my Dark Overlord, Don L.A. Tan, but only during the live podcast.
3: Good, now we're getting somewhere, finally. Uh, uh where is this on the internet?
2: At com live show.
3: And when is it?
2: Every week on Thursday evening, when there is a new episode.
3: Thank you, Val. You're not so bad after all. I'll see you there.
2: You are welcome. Dot. 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 The dot. The dot. <laughs> <laughs> You're
0: gonna have to take this. I'm still finishing up my Reese's peanut Your butter Reese's cup.
1: cup, there, man.
0: alive. Yep, my second one. In fact, that was good.
1: <laughs> that, uh, Doc, you've you've done a you've outdone yourself. Frankly, that is a that was a classic. I don't I know was... how
0: you can top that. That's I mean, <laughs> that's so good.
1: I had tried to find, um, a, an audio, uh, you know, like a, a text to speech thing that sounded like Siri. Mm-hmm. And that's when I found I, the thing I posted, the, the, uh, the picture I posted about, you know, a, a sample or, you know, a fake conversation with, uh, Siri. But, uh, but that, that uh, <laughs> he did a fantastic job. That was I, I a little, it,
0: that was brilliant, I must say. Yep. Well, we have some other feedback. Do
1: we, do we play it and read it?
0: I Boy, think It's going to be.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be hard to top that. I say go ahead and play, uh, play Barb's.
0: All right. Barb is good, though.
1: Barb is always good. Here she is. Barb is always good.
4: Hi, Daryl and Doug. This is Barb calling in with feedback on this week's POI Epi Q&A. I'll give this Epi nine dented urns. This was another great one from the Riders. Here are my random thoughts this week. If Samaritan knew we were to leave the Nautilus game so that Harold would see it, then why haven't they swooped in to capture our team already? I'm glad that they didn't. But if they knew where he would be walking and that he would see the paper taped up there on the the telephone pole or whatever, then why haven't they gone in to get him? So that seemed a little off to me. When we first saw Crazy Claire, I thought, oh, no, she's conning us. And danged if she wasn't. I loved how Harold planted that little seed of doubt in her brain the same way he did with control. Perhaps this is part of our machine's chess match. Plant those seeds of doubt in key individuals in the Samaritan organization so that they'll be in a place to help our team when they're needed. Time will tell. While Greer may have told Crazy Claire to recruit Finch, I'm surprised that Samaritan would really want to do that at this point. I think that Samaritan wants to kill Finch and our team. I mean, we've certainly seen this in the past. And take down the machine. I suspect that Claire was told that Samaritan wanted to recruit Finch, as part of her naive and blind loyalty to Greer and Samaritan. That way, she would believe or continue to believe that Samaritan was good and that they're there to make humanity better. That girl was played like a fiddle. I also wondered if Calvin and his company, Fetch and Retrieve, were set up by Samaritan for ultimate takeover. Here is one more device that could be used to call mankind, and it sure seems Samaritan is continuing right down that path. The technology could be used to push individuals deemed to be weaker into calling themselves, rather than forcing Samaritan's minions to do it. Very scary. It was great to see Root arrive in time to save Finch, but I wondered, what did our machine tell her to bring her back into the fold? She had walked away when we last saw her and was still obsessed with finding Shaw. I don't think our machine told Root that Shaw was still alive, because considering how our machine had counted Shaw's odds down to zero, I don't think that our machine knows that she is still alive. If our machine does know that Shaw is alive, perhaps it told Root, but it told Root not to tell Finch, Reese, and Fusca for the time being. Anyway, there she was with her little-knowing smile and telling Finch, there's a lot that's new. These two machines are playing a massive chess game, and it feels as if we are watching Samaritan take the bolder, riskier moves, While our machine is considering its strategy behind the scenes, Claire and Root seem to mirror their respective machines perfectly this week. Claire with her bolder and more open moves to get Finch and Root strategically moving in at the end with the win for this battle in the war. I can't wait to see what Root is doing for our machine and where the next moves may lie. That's it for this week. Thanks for all you guys do for this podcast. This is Barb signing out and disabling my voice activated phone feature.
1: <laughs> Be careful, and Shut off your hard mm-hmm. drive, too.
4: <laughs> yeah.
1: I like the uh, the idea that, uh, yes, we are planting uh, seeds of doubt in uh, members of, you know, whatever team is against Team Machine, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's Claire from Samaritan this time or control from the government. Uh, yeah, that's that seems to be rather than overtly try you know, trying to argue them into, you know, seeing the light here. We are just, you know, Kate, okay, you see that you see, you know, you get you got shot there. You know, you get you understand who's behind all this. You know, you know, Claire at the end, sees she's been played to a point and mm-hmm. she's not necessarily on board with everything that uh, the Greer wants. So yeah, I I like this it's a it's a slow chess game where the you know the big moves are being made by uh by Samaritan but it can afford to, you know, it's it's the one trying to, it's the attacker essentially and and the the machine trying to play defense has to be a little more cautious. Because and and the other thing too is just that the that Samaritan is uh less concerned about humanity uh the individuals that uh that an individual person whereas the machine is uh trying to be try, trying to be respective of human life uh, in general.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think in, in the, you know, to continue with the chess analogy that this show likes to thrust upon itself. I think that in a way the machine has had its queen captured. I mean, it does just how far behind it is, but, it's playing a, a So it's playing a different game now. It can't be aggressive. It has to set up chess pieces in order to be able to get Samaritan to fall. And I do think that that's what's going on. I do think, you know, because we still have, it, it still has an insider's view of the servers, right? We have those six servers that are compromised. So does it have the arsenal, the weapons that Samaritan has? No, by no means. Is, is it still the weaker opponent? Absolutely. But... I think it's, it's using that, uh, to the best advantage that it can and then putting up the, the right pieces, whether it being doubt, you know, setting up hearts and minds in that con, in, th- in that context, I guess, so that it can be in a position to put Samaritan in checkmate, you know, at the appropriate time. But it has to kind of work some magic to get into that position first.
1: Yeah. It can't just go, uh, you know, full guns and all that, because mm-hmm. it, uh, it, Samaritan's got bigger guns than yep. right now.
0: Yep, no doubt about that. All right, well, let's get into some written stuff here. This one comes in from Andrew, and Andrew says, I don't know to what extent Finch was playing the game. Part of me thinks he may have tipped off the security guard or told Fusco to do so, but then that's what I want to believe. In any case, Finch was played... But as he told the machine, mind you, you'll encounter far more capable opponents than me if you go looking. He was true to his humanism, on which Claire was partially relying. But as Greer gained Senator Garrison's confidence near the end of Beta, Finch's final words to Claire proved to be a valid point. In fairness to Claire, I was played too because I thought the situation would have made sense either way. If Claire truly was thinking along the same lines Jason Greenfield did, she would want to fire back against Samaritan. Had the flash drive been innocuous, it may have given more insight into Samaritan and perhaps a way to make a major move against the AI. I love the mortuary as a setting for the reference to Shaw, the dialogue about Charles Wynn's death, and the show's precedent for using similar settings, The story here gave Claire a stronger showing than she had in Nautilus, and I particularly enjoyed the scene of her convincing Finch to stay and that of her reveal. I commend Quinn Shepard for the shades of Root she achieved in those scenes. Even if she's not on the level of Amy Acker, the two characters are similar but chose different entities for their sense of purpose. It's fitting that Claire basically pulled a trust fall with Finch and then had an encounter with the woman who did it first to add to the parallel roots. Greeting to Claire is nearly identical to the way she greeted Finch in firewall. It's a good, uh, good observation there from Andrew. Mm -hmm. And then he says, despite the draw, the team did save Anna and possibly her sister by extension. Every number matters. And I wouldn't mind seeing Anna come back. I like the way her story is strengthened by its tie to the larger one. In a way, it's a nice prospect to have a relatively straightforward fight, no massive corporations, manipulative algorithms, or AI, just honest blood, sweat, and tears. But the reality is that we often have to fight in other ways, dealing with situations which require a bit more finesse.
1: I like that parallel uh, that he drew between um, Claire and Root, that uh, they are, you know, Birds of a feather, so to speak, and uh, that one is they—they they, they you know one's following one AI and one's following the other. So I think if they do take Shaw out of the picture completely, I think if I think Claire would make a great addition because she knows uh, the enemy.
0: Yeah, well I thought that too, um, but I I'd, I'd forgotten about that point when Root came back. Even though she came back at the end of the episode, there was a point in the episode where I thought, you know, this. You know, When I was going back and forth and I was thinking, okay, she is good. I thought, she's going to be our Root until Root comes back. But then she switched back to the evil side and Root came back, and I, so I, I forgot all about my, my, my thought on that. So I'm so glad that Andrew wrote it down and sent it in because there are definitely a lot of parallels between these two characters, and it would be kind of cool to see them fighting side by side with Root. Scary thoughts. Root being a mentor of sorts. To Claire, but because um, you know, a couple of seasons ago, we would have shrieked at that that thought, right? <laughs> <laughs> but now yes. it seems kind of cool.
1: Yeah. yeah. righty well, we have some feedback from We the North, or depending on how you want to pronounce it, Wet Hen Orth. Hi, Daryl and Doug. My opinion on Tuesday's episode is that I'm giving it 5.9, and he's since upgraded to 6.0. Fusco punches. The reason I'm giving it this low of a score is that the story premise was good, the execution of the story, and the writing of the episode could be better. I'd wanted to see Claire return, however, the way it played out between Finch and her was a bit weak. But then again, my PVR malfunctioned on me. When I finished doing some of the errands and sat down to watch the episode around 10.30, I could not rewind due to the PVR malfunction, so it might be because I tuned in halfway and was lost on how the episode progressed. One thing I did like is now that like control, Claire might be beginning to question Samaritan's intentions. Yes, indeed, that's right. And you know, that's is the uh issue with dropping little little seeds of doubt. I like that. And so he's keeping uh, he's keeping the the uh the folks uh yeah, you know, like I said for decima or for the government a little off balance there, just trying to figure out what's really going on with the people who are manipulating them.
0: Mm-hmm. We'll find out. And we have another one here from uh, I am Groot. I am G Root. Hi, Daryl and Doug. Greetings from the warm and sunny Melbourne, Australia. Mm. I have mixed feelings about the episode. I'm giving it seven smug Greers. This episode felt a bit like a filler episode with some Samaritan elements put in the mix. This is another episode like Guilty Looked Initially that the case of the week was tied into Samaritan and Decima. However, at the end, while Samaritan had no direct involvement in the case of the week, it swooped in and took the fragments of what was remaining of Val and Fetch and Retrieve. Hope to hear from you guys soon. I am Groot.
1: Miss Indeedy, we did yeah, a, little bit of a little bit of a connection way at the end there, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they managed to bring it around, and it makes perfect sense to have Greer doing that.
0: There was a line near the beginning of the episode where I want to say it was Finch said that you, you can't, uh, make,
1: um, I don't remember what the line was. Omelette without breaking eggs? No, wait a minute.
0: No, but he basically talked about how our first impressions may be wrong or, or we can't make an instantaneous, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover or something to that effect. And it reminded me of last week's episode with, uh, with Guilty where he was on the, the, uh, the jury, of course, and they thought one way and it turned out to be another way. And Colby and I, my son, we watched 12 Angry Men this last Friday night or Saturday night. I guess it was Friday night. I hadn't watched it, I think, since I was in eighth grade. And it was even better than I remembered. And we had a lot of great dialogue about uh, those sorts of those sorts of things, about how we make snap judgments about people and prejudices that we all have, you know, based on past experiences or, or whatever, you know, teachings that we were, that we were given to us by other people whatever it is right we all have these things but anyway uh, my my point that i was trying to get to was that there was a line that finch had there toward the beginning of the episode that i thought in a way was a direct re- re- relation or tie-in to last week's episode but maybe it was just me i wish i could remember the line i feel like i just blathered on for for no reason but i did you remember anything like that or was it just me
1: uh, I think it was just you. Okay, no. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> it happens
0: <laughs> All right, well, save me from this blathering, Doug.
1: All right, well, if you want to blather to us, just go to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. There's all sorts of ways to get in touch. You can type in some text you can uh, you can create an audio file on your own and upload it there, or you can use the little speak pipe speak pipe widget to you know, click on that, and then your computer's microphone will turn on magically, and you can speak to us that way. Um, you can also call the wonderful hotline at 304-837-2278, or just hop onto Facebook and go to the Person of Interest podcast Facebook page, and we read that, and we include stuff there here. So. There's all kinds of ways to get in touch, and mm-hmm. we'd love to hear from you. We really like uh, like it to hear like hear what you think, because you guys catch things that we don't.
0: For sure. Well, I see that you uh, caught yourself going over to somewhere on the interwebs and looked up some details about next week's
1: episode. You didn't forget this week. I did. I remembered. It's it's it's, it's really amazing. I get, I'm getting old, you know. So it right. happens. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, we do have another episode next week. It's like. Wow, three in a row. It's called Blunt. Reese and Vinch must protect Harper, a street-smart grifter, when her plan to steal cash from a medical marijuana dispensary goes up in smoke. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Everyone's going to be high next week. Guest, guest star Cheech Marin and Tommy Chong. <laughs> nice. I see what you did there. Thank you. And uh we do have the regular cast we do. Now it's interesting I see for regular cast. This is miss maybe spoileryishness, but Sarah Shahi is going to is listed in the regular cast next week. Sameen Shah, there we are. And as part of the recurring cast, we do have Dominic coming back. So excellent. We're going to have uh, get, getting back to the whole Elias, Dominic thing. I don't I don't see Elias listed. So, uh this may just have to do with uh Uh, just the Dominic side of the equation. So, but we'll we'll get we're getting back to that. We haven't lost uh, we haven't lost them completely. It'll be it was written by here we go now Amanda Siegel, who as we've mentioned before, she has been uh one who's written some of the more uh earth shattering uh episodes where, for example, Josh Carter died and also uh, Scarface uh, Elias's right hand man, written by co-written by her and the executive producer Greg Plagman. So Mm -hmm. wow. You know, when the executive producer starts getting his uh fingers into the thing, uh oh, this could be uh, this could be serious.
0: Yeah, one of the top directors too is Fred Toye, so it uh it's 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 probably going to be a big episode.
1: <laughs> oh, good. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't seem like it might be much, you know. It, it sounds like a, you know, case of the week, but mm. yeah, it, this can be really uh it can be turned on it said very easily. Indeed. Yes, indeed. Well I cool. Heard that.
0: Thanks for hanging out with me, and and I I made it to the end of the episode and didn't have to tap out. So that's great. That's, good. that's
1: great. Yep. You well, don't want me to finish this on my own, really?
0: <laughs> no, maybe not. I I do like I do like podcasting about Person of Interest. Thank you guys for uh, listening in and and joining us this week. We'll be back next week as well, and I hope that you'll join us for that. If you want to join us for the live show, you can do that Thursday nights. We start at eight o'clock Eastern Time. Over at goldenspiralmedia.com slash live. Uh, The webcam's on so you can watch us both talk. The chat room is open so you can interact with us and other Person of Interest fans. And uh, it's a lot of fun, I think. So come join us. It is. All right. Well, until next time. Again, thanks for listening to the Person of Interest podcast. I'm Daryl. And I'm going to go get something to get this blood off my keyboard.
1: Ooh, and I'm Doug saying that if your number comes up, we hope there's a man in the suit watching over you. Or maybe MMA Fusco.